We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel and special guest Lucas Kaplan of Nets Republic. Guys, how are we doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Happy to be on. Happy to be talking about Summer League. Uh, more relaxing time than the playoffs for sure. So I'm doing pretty good. Not going to lie, when I was unable to co-host with Nick, my favorite replacement or my favorite other co-host was definitely Lucas. It, I don't know, just I learned something about the Nets every time I listened to the buzz when I wasn't on it. And whenever I watch these threads on Twitter, whenever I read these articles in Nets Republic, I always learn something. And, I'm, you know, that's what I want to do. I love this game. I love this team. And Lucas makes me a smarter Nets fan. Oh, that's, I love to hear it. That's my goal. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. I like the point that you brought up that it's in, more enjoyable than the playoffs because it's like watching summer league basketball is like relaxing to an extent because nothing really matters. So it's just like, oh, if there's something good that happens, you know, we'll live with that. But uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. Do a little summer league recap for the Nets top rookies. Um, before we jump into that, just a quick reminder, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. But guys, Let's kick it off with Cam Thomas. Obviously, that's what everyone wants to hear about. Cam Thomas, co-MVP, averaged 27 a game in Summer League. Obviously, was one of the biggest stars down there. Lucas, how would you grade his overall performance in Summer League? I would give him, I would give him, and I mean, it's hard not to give him an A after you win co-MVP in yep. Summer League. Um, the uh, His performance didn't really stray too far in my mind, from the uh, pre-draft scouting profile. Um, not to throw water on the fire, but a lot of times in Summer League, because of sort of the lack of familiarity and the lack of defensive continuity, uh, isolation scores, one-on-one scores, those guys can sort of shine. But um, that's not to take anything away from him. You still got to go out there and put the ball in the bucket. And, you know, he's 19 years old, getting tough buckets against uh, – you know, almost, I'll say, NBA-level uh, players. So, overall, nothing to complain about, for sure. Yeah, I'm, I don't know if you guys, how big a Simpsons fans you guys are, but there's an episode where Lisa gets an A-triple plus, and <laughs> yeah. I'm very, very close to giving that to Cam Thomas. Now, I'm become a Cam Thomas stand of sorts over this summer league, but what he did, you know, co-MVP alongside Davion Mitchell, who, again, just two great rookies in the way that they perform. You know, it, his form got me on House of Highlights, got me 135,000 <laughs> likes apparently on their Instagram page. You know, 
third greatest rookie scorer, greatest scorer in general at this year's summer league, third greatest of all time, you know, behind Jared Bayless and David and um, Donovan Mitchell, sorry, and ahead of Damian Lillard. So he's in a illustrious company. I don't think that we can underestimate that fact. And, you know, the amount of, you know, it's unfair that he went to the Nets. It's unfair that he went to the Nets. The league's unfair. The league's all, all this sort of stuff. It's, it's fun chat to have. And I love his mentality. Um, if you'd given it anything less than an A, um, as a teacher, I would be offended. <laughs> Yeah, I think if you get co-MVP, that pretty much locks you in for an A. Led, obviously, Summer League in scoring. There were obviously a few things you'd like to see maybe that were a touch, could have been better, but he's a 19-year-old kid, like you guys kind of alluded to. And, you know, it was a great showcase for him. But moving on from there, Lucas, what would you say from the scouting report match what you saw in Summer League, or would you just say pretty much everything? I would say pretty much everything. Um, starting off, I would say that his space creation, either going sideways or backwards on jump shots, um, just the amount of space he's able to create from the defender, yep. that definitely matched the scouting report. He has all the side steps, the step backs, the hard pound dribbles, stuff like that. Um, I would say that really matched the scouting report, um, as well as um, his ability to draw fouls. I mean, yep. he has yep. such a good sense of sensing defender movement patterns. Uh, there was one play in particular versus the Spurs. He catches it. The defender kind of closes out a little bit too hard. Cam Thomas goes by him. And instead of trying to get all the way to the rim, he slows down a little bit to let the recovering defender just run into him from behind. And that's the sort of thing that you don't see a lot of 19-year-olds. You don't see a lot of rookies, but especially 19-year-old rookies in general come into the league with an ability to do. Um, and that just goes to show that the scoring potential is real. Uh, obviously, you know, the other things that match the scouting report, the defense needs work, particularly the off-ball defense, general awareness. Uh, he had some nice passes. He can really pass when the reads are in front of him. But if he has to sort of avert his eyes away from the rim on a drive and revert course to make a pass, that's going to be an area of improvement. But again, these aren't reasons to give him less than an A. They're, they're to be expected. And when you select a guy with a dominant skill trait, you want to see that pop out in summer league. And it definitely did. So all in all, it matched the scouting report. But that's that's definitely a good thing. Yeah, anything but, I mean, in terms of what he did at college, it was almost emblematic of what happened in Summer League. One of the great, greatest freshman scorers of all time with Trey Young, Kevin Durant, and, and a heap of these names. You know, as as Lucas was alluding to, the three-level scoring, and, and Nick put out a great video on his on his Twitter as well as on the OTG YouTube page, um, just showing and showcasing that. And I think that the amount of plays that Nick had, I know we were chatting a bit off wax, it was astonishing because this kid just knows how to score and knows how to put the ball in the bucket. You know, I've you know, I've made the point every single summer league recap game that we did. You know, he had ten free throws. He was ninety percent from the line. All these different things, and it's just like that level of feel for the game, that just innate, intangible skill, is really hard to just have as a young player, as Lucas was sort of saying. But Killer Cam's just got it in spades. Sometimes the shot selection can be a little bit questionable, but I think at the at summer league, you don't necessarily care about that. 
because you want him to just, just throw up and, and show us what he's got. Because, look, I'd rather Cam Thomas be taking 20 shots than Brandon Knight taking 20 <laughs> shots or Reggie Perry taking 13 shots. So uh, while the shot selection is always going to be the biggest bugaboo for a lot of people, when we talk about you know translating it to the NBA level, I can't see that being a thing. But he, at, at the same time, you know, he can be, uh, he can have his blinders a little bit. And I think... That's sort of what was Lucas was sort of alluding to when he's got the ball in his hands and he's running pick and roll. He's either, you know, score or is there someone near me or what am I going to do here? So he's got the blinkers on, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, but they are very, very small, minute problems for a guy that was selected pick 27. Um, and with the amount of skills in his arsenal, um, it is truly shocking. Yeah, I mean, you guys are spot on. The scouting report matches here. The kid can score the basketball. He did that a lot in summer league. I think just like the the three-point shot that won the game against the Wizards, that's just kind of like one of those shots that like a scorer makes. You know what I mean? He just makes shots. You know what I mean? That's not a good shot. That's not a great shot or anything like that. I doubt he really practiced that a ton, but he said he did. Um, <laughs> other than that, were there anything? was there anything else that you learned about Cam Thomas in summer league that maybe you didn't anticipate? Or maybe that was further along than you expected? Um, something that I learned, because I didn't watch him a ton at LSU, is that I think to be a uh, backup pick-and-roll ball handler, uh, that's going to be a couple years away. Yep. I don't think he has like the skip pass in his arsenal yet. But um, I'm actually more convinced of his fit on this Nets team because hypothetically he gets minutes this year or next year. He's not going to be asked to run spread pick and roll. He's not going to be asked to be the engine. He's going to be asked to be a play finisher. And he even came off some off-ball screens a couple times. Uh, I highlighted one on Twitter. And yep. I imagine him playing with James Harden and flanked yep. by shooters. I imagine him playing with, at worst, just KD. Um, so, if anything, I'm a little bit more optimistic of his fit on this these iterations of the Nets than uh, maybe I was before Summer League. Yeah, I think it's the off-ball stuff that sort of Lucas was alluding to, you know, the catch-and-shoot game. You know, he has just such wonderful fluid mechanics, and I know some people question that, but I think it's just like he's got... I think every shooter in from Clay Thompson to Kevin Durant has some level of like hitch in, in terms of getting their rhythm. And that's that that hitch that Cam does have is really, really smooth, really, really quick. Um, and I think he's... One thing I was surprised about as well was the the tightness of that handle. Now, I know that that was probably in the scouting report as well, but the fact that it was translatable against semi-NBA talent, I guess, but his ability to change pace, accelerate, decelerate, um, I thought was, was was something that we see out of guys like James Harden, yep. Luka Doncic. You know, they say sort of, you know, and I think as well in terms of like the mentality that I think everyone was sort of talking about in terms of, you know, red flags uh, for Cam Thomas was like, you know, his personality is just like, you know, a bit too, you know, he's too confident. He's got all these sort of things. And uh, I think that his personality is something that we, we super warm to as, as Nets fans. So I think those things stuck out to me as being like, damn, he's got a couple of uh, little things here that um, are, are popping off. Yeah, I like the point that you brought up, Lucas, and the fact that it looks like he could fit with the current Nets, obviously the real Brooklyn Nets team. You saw him come off a couple screens, the catch-and-shoot opportunities, just kind of being part of the offense. I think at a recent interview, too, he talked about how he was excited to play with James Harden because he just saw how many open shots he got for guys in Houston. So it's just like, okay, he understands what he needs to kind of be in this situation. And then I thought, like, 
Yeah, he has work to do in the pick and roll situation. I thought a couple of the passes were better than what I anticipated to see from him. There was a couple of plays where I'm like, okay, there, you know, there's just some potential there, just kind of getting a little bit more comfortable. And even though it was on the scattering report, the ability to get to the free throw line, the way in which he did it against, like, he was not scared against contact against anybody, like bigger guys, smaller guys, whatever it is. And I think that's something that really can carry over to the NBA. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it wasn't a lot of guys get to the line in college because they're just more physically and athletically yep. dominant. And dudes have no choice but to just hack them on their way by. That's not really how Cam gets to the line. I mean, obviously, he has an explosive first step, which is something that also stood out. Yep. But the way he senses defenders, the way he feels where they are sensing, anticipating their movement patterns, that, I think, is a more translatable um foul drawing sort of method than maybe some other guys yeah and like you pointed out earlier like the anticipation like you said with some of the bigs kind of just bouncing into him because he's kind of creating the content he's looking for it and he's really getting to the free throw line and them kind of instead of them almost fouling him but i also like the point you brought about the quick first step he looked quicker than i thought he was going to be like he had a little bit more speed to him than what i anticipated in comparison to what the rumors were in terms of like maybe he's not that athletic is he going to struggle at the nba level and i thought maybe we saw a couple tools that could be useful and defensively like in that Spurs game against Primo he I felt like kind of was like all right you know this guy was drafted ahead of me I'm going to grind a little bit more and I feel like he showcased at least he could probably be a competent defender at the NBA level at some point Lucas yeah. what do you think about his size I, I guess it kind of relates to sort of Nick's point as well like you know six four. obviously he isn't you know Dayron Sharp or he isn't Kevin Durant with like an incredible wingspan or whatever but He's 6'4"-ish, sort of like, you know, he's obviously skinny and, and such, but what do you think about his frame and, I guess, his defensive instincts in, in that sort of respect? Um, I think I was honestly a little bit surprised. Not surprised, but he, he seems to have wide shoulders. He seems yep. to be built sort of in the chest-up area when he would have two-foot offensive moves and, like, get into guys. So I think that bodes well for him on defense. Um, defensively, like... I don't think point of attack is going to be the problem. I don't think sliding his feet is going to be the problem. He had a couple really nice possessions versus Primo, um, as you mentioned, during the Spurs game. I think the issue, if anything's going to keep him off the court in his rookie year, which, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked at, it'll be teams being like, hey, let's if he's guarding a shooter, we're running him off 30 screens because he's yeah. not catching up. Uh, he's getting back cut. You know, he's maybe not, he's getting slipped. He's not, his back is facing the ball. I saw that a few times uh, in help. But um, the positive signs, I think, were that his first step seems to translate a little bit on defense where I don't think he'll be getting roasted off the dribble. Yep. Uh, you know, he's a rookie. You got to give him half a year. I'm sure somebody's going to bust his ass. Like, yep. <laughs> First time they play the Knicks and he comes off the bench. <laughs> Emmanuel quickly, we're going to hear it from no end or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course, of course. But that's to be expected. Um, I honestly, in terms of the defensive flashes, just guarding the ball, I was pleasantly surprised, I would say. Yep. And I think also like some of the rotations, he looked really confused. Some of that's just summer league in a new system and obviously different than what they did at LSU and all those things. He did uh, say, though, about that at LSU that they ran a switching style of scheme. So... Obviously, he, he wasn't amazing in execution in, in a lot of stretches, but I remember taking that away from, I think it, it might have been chatting to Mike Schmitz or whatever. But then I'm like, oh, okay, well, and the Nets did a lot of switching, you know, and a lot of their best play was you know, taking Darren Sharp off the floor and switching with everyone having like Kessler Edwards play the five and stuff. Yeah. So 
maybe that helps him as well defensively because, I mean, obviously there is a new... Ime Yudoka has left, Steve Clifford's now there, and is there a new defensive style? I don't really think that it'll change too much. And I think, you know, that knowledge at the very least in terms of the principles of a switching scheme should help, I guess. Yeah, and I also think uh, someone brought this up on Twitter. He's only 19. Like, there is potential for him to grow. Like, it's not out of the realm of possibility for him to add, like, two inches or even get a little bit wider. So it's kind of the benefit of being a 19-year-old draft in the first round. Yeah, yeah. They'll put him on the pro weight plan that they put all these guys on. He'll, uh, he'll I'm sure he's 10 pounds heavier, just leaner, more muscular by the end of the year for sure. By yeah. training camp, probably. Yeah, and obviously we know the Nets do a great job with a whole bunch of other aspects in terms of, like, their diets and their sleep schedule and stuff along those lines. It's funny because, like, Zaire Williams, I heard him say he's on, like, a 5,000-calorie um, like diet plan. I'm like, God, and he said he's going to, like, gain, like, five or six pounds. I'm like, damn. I'm, you know, I'm intrigued to see because then, and we'll obviously get into Darren Sharp in a little bit because when you get in an NBA system, how do, how do you change? Are you made for, for, for that sort of life? I think Cam's made for it. I think he's going to be relishing it. You know, his, his excitement levels are, are on 100 or 1,000, I think. I can't remember the – I think it's 1,000. But yeah. either way, he's excited to get there, get surrounded by the superstars. Uh, and we know how good the Nets – you know, the behind-the-scenes stuff in terms of, you know, the individualized coaching, the nutrition, the workouts, all this sort of thing um, is, is top-notch. Yeah, yeah. Now, guys, if Cam wants to see real NBA minutes this season, he'll be in the rotation. Obviously, we kind of mentioned the defense needs to improve. What other aspects do you think he needs to improve to get into the rotation this season or at least have the opportunity to? Um, he's going to need to hunt, catch and shot, th- catch and shoot threes. And yeah. then based off of that, then he'll have opportunities to maybe attack closeouts once guys start respecting his catch and shoot game. Because uh, obviously he likes to pound the ball. That's fine. But I think he's only going to get to do that if he harnesses the uh, off ball catch and shoot game first. Um, something that's interesting is that he really likes the two foot load into his shots. He likes the hop step yep. and sometimes that can slow you down. So I am interested to see how that impacts an off ball roll, but it's honestly that and on defense when he's off the ball, you hate to call it an, I don't think it's an effort thing. It's not an effort thing, but just an attentiveness thing. Yep. Um, making sure he's in correct positioning at all times, making sure he's talking um, after a whole training camp with veterans, I'm sure it'll improve from summer league when, you know, yeah. not a lot of guys are really talking and moving. But uh, it's those two things. The only way he gets played off the court is if he's just untenable on defense and he's the weak link. Um, and I wouldn't be super shocked if that happens. But at the same time, I think it's in his control to prevent that from happening. Yeah, and I don't think the Nets need him to be incredible because the Nets aren't an incredible defensive team, but they just need to be good enough. And I think he can be good enough. I think we've sort of made all the points sort of there. Uh, I think that like you mentioned, Lucas, your um, video of him during the Spurs, that catch and shoot opportunity. I think he's got that in his game. Um, and But there will also be load management injuries throughout the season mm-hmm. because I don't think it's, there's being enough made of the fact that we've got a pretty quick turnaround this time around for this yep. season as well. It's, it's obviously not the, 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 like the 40, 50 days it was last year, but it's still only a couple of months in comparison to, you know, a lot longer. But so that's, that, that for me is going to be, okay, well, what's Kai's, you know, ankle going to be like to start the season? How's James Harden's hamstring going? I think all those things should be okay. He's sort of, you know, both of those guys have alluded to that, but Cam is going to get some time, you know, we also did hear Steve Nash say today as well that, 
Um, it was an interesting quote. I'm wondering whether it was like a deliberately worded him sort of saying, look, he's he's got the talent, he's got all these sort of things, but at the same time, he's a rookie, so he's going to have to earn it And when he's out there. So for me, I'm wondering if that's just like, okay, Cam seems to be the sort of guy like, I'm going to earn this shit and I'm going to like go out there and I'm Steve, I'm going to make you shut the hell up. Um, that's it. I thought that that was an interesting way of approaching, you know, Cam's future minutes because he's also going to, be fighting for minutes with, with Paddy Mills. You know, if we had had, if this would have been just Landry Shamit next season in, in, in Paddy Mills's role, I would have been like, to be honest, give me Cam Thomas over, over Landry Shamit, given the, the skills and capabilities that he does have. But all of the things that Lucas was alluding to, off-ball actions, catch and shoot, Paddy Mills is elite at those things. Like, yep. truly incredible at shooting off movement, uh, attacking closeouts, and he's better with the ball in his hands in terms of making decisions just because he's a veteran. He's been around the wings and such. So he's going to be fighting for those minutes. There's no doubt about it. But I think that we will see those glimpses from him, and I think he's going to relish those opportunities like he has at Summer League. You know, he's got the mentality. He's got the winner mentality. He's a killer. Um, he's going to go out there, and we're going to see some, some, some big moments from him throughout this season. Um, I think it's, it's a great ace to have up your sleeve if you're Steve Nash and the coaching staff. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you look at like the things that you guys mentioned, you know, defensively, is he there? I also think another thing to look at would be like, if he takes some terrible shots with other guys on the floor, you might just be like, you know, you need to do better. But I think he understands where he is on this team because he idolized those, you know, players, especially James Harden and Kyrie and things along those lines. So I think, uh, just like discipline and fundamentals and just kind of playing under control is always huge. And I, I think from the Steve Nash perspective, maybe he's just trying to alleviate some of the pressure and not kind of creating expectations for him to come in and play. Just like, hey, we'll, we'll see what happens. If, he, if he's good enough, he's going to get minutes. If not, we might go to the veterans. But you guys have anything else on Cam Thomas from Summer League? Um, That is, that's about it, honestly. I think I'm going to be doing a stream with uh, draft Twitter star PD Webb soon on Camp Thomas's summer league performance. Um, so definitely look out for that. I'm going to dive deeper into his game, but it'll mostly be what I've said here. Uh, that's, I think I've covered most of it. I think uh, fans are like excited to hear about Cam Thomas every second of the day for this at this point in time, just because there hasn't been basketball. So definitely check that out. And obviously Cam was great. He was made this for at least me one of the most exciting net summer leagues in a while. Like usually there isn't much hype or it's just kind of watching a big and then they're getting sat out or whatever it is. Seeing Cam kind of go off for four games was pretty fun. But talking about the other first round pick. One day round, oh, yep. Obviously, I have to ask the, the silly, insignificant question. <laughs> Favorite Cam Thomas nickname? Killer Cam, Clutch Cam, or Chef Cam? And also the photoshops that people have been doing on Twitter are always incredible. Lucas, if we're anointing him with something, is he going to be one of those guys that's got a lot like Kevin Rand, he's like easy money, slim reaper? Um, or is he just, we need to like stick with Killer Cam or Clutch Cam or CT or something like that? I, I feel like we have to ask him. I feel like he'll give yeah. a pretty good response to what he thinks of the nicknames. But... He did screenshot and post on his Instagram a Killer Cam meme, so maybe he's a fan of that one. He's heard me. He listens to the buzz. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I like Killer Cam. I think it's kind of cool. But uh... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Moving on to Dayron Sharp, obviously another Nets first round pick wasn't as spicy as Cam Thomas in summer league. How would you grade his overall performance, Lucas? Um, I guess I would give it a E minus, B, C plus, somewhere in that range. Yep. Uh, I don't think I there's a reason to be too high or too low. Um, somewhat similar to Cam, I don't think much has changed from the pre-draft process, but. I guess this is a little more tepid just because his sort of skill set is not designed to really pop out in summer league. Yep. Um, I will say in an environment where a lot of the games turn into just chuck fests and there's a lot of missed shots, his work on the offensive glass does have an opportunity to stand out. And it did. I mean, he plays really hard and even by NBA standards, especially, you know, sort of sub NBA standards as summer league is the way he throws his weight around the way he throws his body around can be, I guess, intimidating for a lot of opponents. Um, but the scouting report, I think stayed true here. What's going to pop out is the offensive rebounding and the way he throws his weight around. And that is, uh, what popped out. And there's also some interesting movement skills like he has a couple really quick spin moves, I think, around either shoulder that just kind of make you say, oh, that's something. And that Euro step drive, yeah. uh, there are certainly moments where it's like, damn, a 6'11", 255 guy should not really be able to move like that. And obviously, he's already cut, whatever, 20 pounds, but he still isn't really in, I'm sure, NBA shape as Brooklyn considers it. I'm sure they have more work to do on him, so... There's flashes, there's this, there's that, but I don't see him getting a ton of time this year. Um, but if we're using like Reggie Perry as a baseline, a uh, second round pick from last year, I think he showed more than Perry. I think like if you're grading him on like, hey, this is the 13th, 14th guy on the roster, you're fine with it. Yeah, I was going to go with the B minus as well. I think that we the the rebounding was just insatiable you know he yeah. was he had a, such an appetite for it that it was just like okay there, there is a skill and we heard from so many people he's the best rebounder in the draft he's the best rebounder in the draft and we wanted to see a little bit more from him and like lucas alluded to there were some flashes of, of footwork and potential in an offensive game you know he took some shots that you know I, w I would have liked to see maybe a couple more threes here and there maybe wasn't given the opportunities um, or maybe the, the coaches are sort of just like, do just eat on the glass, do do what you do best. Um, I thought that his, his screening was uh, incredible. He, his ability to find space. 
Um, I really like the moments, you know, that he had had some actions with him in camp. You know, they showed a, a little bit of chemistry here and there. Um, so I think he's going to be a good pick and roll player uh, in, in terms of just his ability to read and as an offensive big. I think he's got a lot there. That the defensive chops. He, I think his work rate is something that I think is going to be really, really good. He's just always running both sides of the floor, whether it's offensively or defensively. So that's going to be immediately translatable because at the end of the day, effort can be a skill. And I think that, that it, for, for Reg, that could be a, a, a turning point for him to go, okay, well, I'm working way harder than Blake tonight. You know, just get me out there. I'll just get some boards. I'll, I'll get us some easy shots. I'll, I'll kick them back out to Katie or Joe or whoever else. So I think that the the lesser-known skills he does well, which is what the Nets need in some respect. Um, but in terms of, like, the scouting report and such as well, you know, it was pretty much the same sort of thing. You know, I think that we saw more in, in some of those workouts than we did at Summer League, you know, the, the three-point shot. Um, we didn't see a, a heap of the sort of switching on defense, and he was sort of quite foul-prone, as a lot of young bigs are. Um, but then there were some flashes of, of verticality and rim protection and, and just the solid level of physicality that he does show. But then he also got, you know, turned and his he's, he's, he's level of, I don't know, uh, uh, just attentiveness and being able to go, okay, well, the guy's going to spin on me here. Um, I've got, I got to be ready to, you know, react a, a little bit better, know what a, a guy is, is using my physicality against me. So yep. some of his post defense I, I, I thought would be a little bit better, to, to be honest, just given his frame. Uh, but at the same time, for a guy as a 29th pick, um, and I think he's still one of the best bigs in this draft. And the way that we've seen that the Nets have developed young bigs, um, I'm expecting something from him. Yeah, I went with C plus B minus here. I think for a lot of the reasons you guys said, like there you was said C plus off wax. You said it off wax. Well, I said you C said plus. You were gonna be the. Well, I'll be like I'm close to it. It's not like it's out of the realm. Like it, Lucas said the same thing. He said B minus to C plus. I just went C plus as my first notion because that's kind of more what I'm leaning towards. Just because I, I don't think anything with Dayron Sharp was like super exciting. Like we knew the rebounding was gonna be really good. And you, there was some pop to the game, but also, like you kind of mentioned, Jack, there were some deficiencies defensively. And it's like, if you're a big and your defense isn't good, we know what Ennis Cantor looks like in the NBA. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be something that's attacked on a regular basis. And I think his foot speed is definitely a question mark. And also, like you said, even the post defense, there's a couple times where he looked kind of try to, to bang with the guy. And the guy just took the contact and kind of spun off him or just had that one quick step on him, got the easy lay-in. Looks kind of confused with his hands sometimes defensively. Just doesn't really know what to do with them. And then, like, a couple times, I think he just didn't necessarily know where to be. Like, he'd take one step forward, and that one step would lead to somebody else rolling to the rim and getting an easy layup or dunk or something like that. So it's like maybe some of it's just, like, learning defense and how to utilize his size. But to me, it definitely... I have more concerns in terms of like what Dayron Sharp's going to be at the next level than I do with Cam Thomas. Obviously, Cam Thomas popped, but Dayron, there's just some questions for me still. But talking about the scattering report, you kind of alluded to it, Jack. Most of the stuff really matched, right, Lucas? Yeah. Um, I watched his pre draft interview with Mike Schmitz, and UNC ran a lot of high, like hedging and recover, yep. which is just something that's not really tenable in the NBA. You know, you got guys jumping out of the gym, stretch fives, this and that. Um, so he's probably not used to playing a bunch of drop defense, as he will likely be asked to do, unless he really cuts some weight and moves his feet and will be asked to switch. Um, the scouting report, though, again, I think it held true. Uh, he has high hips, and I think a lot of times his weight can sort of just be leaning forward. Yep. Uh, 
sort of hunched over almost and that sort of limits his reaction speed this and that his ability to be in two places at once uh which we saw on defense and it's like what you talk about with guys taking the contact and spinning off him if you're leaning forward you don't have a really solid base um the good news about that though is that i think the nets under sean marks have drafted well uh, at least well enough to earn the benefit of the doubt with a late a late first round pick so if you're a Nets fan or if you're in the front office, you say, well, you know, they drafted this guy for a reason, and none of those reasons were disproven during Summer League. It's not like he was unplayable out there. So I think he should play. He should spend a lot of time in Long Island um, just because I think this is a guy that needs the reps, needs to see a lot of pick and rolls, uh, needs to play a lot of drop, needs to be on the court. And then, yeah, he'll come up for a Tuesday night February game against Minnesota when James Johnson and KD are resting, uh, something like that. Um, but yeah, the scouting report, report held true. And obviously it's not like with Camp Thomas where his game is built to pop at Summer League. Yep, at yep. the same time, though, I don't think you're really disappointed because of that. The Nets drafted this guy for a reason. There's flaws. There's things he needs to work on. But um, there's a lot to work with in the net, in the mind of Sean Marks, I think. And as Nets fans, I think we've come to, we got to trust that. Yeah. I think teaching the fundamentals is something that the Nets have always done well. And we've seen Jared Allen and Nicholas Claxton, obviously immediately translate, you know, as really, really good defensive centers in this league, you know, borderline elite in some respects, obviously for, for different skills. Now, Damon Sharp might be the worst out of the three, but he has he's the most physically ready of the, the three at the same time. So it's interesting, you know, the, the prototype that those three big guys are. And I think that the way he's going to be taught and the fundamentals, uh, he seems to be a, a guy that just absorbs learning, wants to be coached as well. Um, so I think he's going to, you know, take everything in from whoever it might be. And I think Steve Clifford's going to be a pretty good uh, addition to the roster yep. for that because he's one of the great just defensive minds in the league. And, you know, he didn't have the biggest impact on Mo Bamba, but I'm, I think that Daron Sharp might be a, a little bit better than Mo um, in he some respects. Vucevic, so. though. I mean, he had some decent defensive seasons in Orlando. Hasn't looked quite the same in Chicago. No, that's a, that's a really good point. And, and some of that system and some of that is just the ability to communicate. And I think that that's one thing that we heard from, I think it was Kevin Pelton, him sort of say that, you know, Dayron is chirping out here, is really loud. Yeah. So I think that the, the intangibles, as we sort of alluded to you know, with, with Dayron Sharp, are going to allow him to translate into improvement for him in terms of how he is as an NBA player and an NBA center, which is one of the toughest positions to make an impact in this league. And I think that if the... As Nets fans, we can have a, a level of patience with his, with his growth and his maturation. Um, then we're going to see, you know, uh, a really probably NBA-ready player sooner rather than later. He's going to need time. Um, and the fact that right now he is the best rebound on the roster. So there might be nights where it's just like, okay, we need a guy to bang against Ian's Cantor. We need a guy or we we want to, you know, utilize our advantage there. Um, I'm intrigued to see what his season is like. You know, I think there's a lot of unknowns. Uh, some of that is like, you know, oh, man, what, what is, is he going to be okay at all defensively? Can he just be immediately played off the floor? Um, but there's also nights where it's going to be like, man, this guy's going to have like 10 offensive boards. So um, the the discrepancy there is is exciting in a lot of ways. 
Yeah, I think the physicality definitely popped. Like, there was plays where he literally just moved bodies. Like, he just had guys in front of him. He was just like, okay, well, you know, I'm getting this board. You're not. Or they had to foul him. Or it's kind of like almost in a boxing fight where, like, you're getting so many body shots by, like, the third or fourth quarter. Like, this guy's been riding me all game. Like, I'm pretty tired. Another thing that was on the scouting report, but maybe popped, like, a little bit more than I anticipated, was the passing. Like, there were some plays where he was, like, really quick and instinctual. And I was just like, Okay, like this is some good stuff for a, a big man, especially in a guy as young as he is. No, that's that is true. I didn't bring that up, but he was probably the best passer uh, on the summer league roster. Yep. You think about um, when DeAndre Jordan would get more minutes, they'd kind of park him at the top of the key. This is more of a, a 2020 Nets vibe, yep. but they'd run screeners and cutters and DJ would try to hit backdoor guys and hit flares you could see Dayron Sharp, if he's ever in that position, being able to do some of that. Um, the one thing that I didn't mention that I do want to, if anything is going to hold him back, I think it's going to be his lack of vertical explosiveness. Yep. I don't really think, I don't know how much this skill is can be worked upon um, in an NBA setting. I don't know that much about player development in that regard, but I don't really foresee him skying to the, to the square to catch lobs. Yep. Um, he has to get vertical quickly, and obviously he's a big enough body where if you go up against him vertically, it's going to be tough to make a shot over him. But I don't really see him pinning shots either or, or scraping floaters, things like that. But, you know, to counter that negative with a positive, he does set very good screens, which is a very workable and useful skill. So there's some good, there's some bad. That's where I'm at on day run. Yeah, I think I was intrigued to see, sorry to cut you off, Jack, the the vertical. Like, is that going to pop? Is that something where James Harden can throw him oops and things along those lines? And then there was a play, I can't remember which game it was. He went up for a dunk and he got fouled. And like a big with a good vert probably would have finished it. But he kind of got rim stuffed on that play. And that's where you're like, okay, like maybe, maybe he can get better with his vert if he loses more weight. But then you're also asking like, is he losing so much of his physicality? I don't think he can like turn into like Anthony Davis, but maybe he can add a few inches. Yeah, it'll be intriguing to sort of see, you know, a couple of box jumps and all those sort of things. You know, who knows what can happen. Jump but, squats uh, are supposed to be really helpful in terms of, like, bidding up your vert. Like, I remember when I was younger and I wanted to dunk. That's what I worked on in the gym, and it ended up paying off. But obviously, I'm not an NBA player, so. And look, he's, like we sort of alluded to, 19 years old, still really, really young. You know, yep. the, the, the way that big guys develop as well as players, you know, it, I, I think is something that is – is going to be intriguing to sort of see. And uh, one more thing, I guess, in the passing, that backdoor pass off the, the cut from Cam Thomas and the bounce pass, yeah. that was one of the, the best plays of the summer league. You know, Cam Thomas obviously hitting incredible shots, but yeah, and the, I know you clipped basically all of them, Nick, but he's got just great pace and timing on his passes. Uh, it's almost just like the a lot of the players aren't ready for it. It's just like yep. he knows the pass before the, you know, his his teammate knows it, which is a, a level of of feel uh, of for the game that not a lot of guys have, let alone guys that are six foot eleven. Yeah, and another thing, and this is kind of getting more to what he'll need to be better at in the NBA. I think he needs to utilize like his size under the rim and create space with his body to get some of those shots up instead of just kind of go straight up. Like you're, you're not going to be the highest jumper here. You're not going to have the highest vert or the wingspan or whatever it is. But was there anything else that you guys learned about Dayron Sharp in summer league that maybe you didn't expect? Um, I think I think that's a that about covers it. I do think that's a good point about using his size. Uh, that's why I think he could be a good 
Long Island candidate just because he's used to being the most physically dominating guy on the floor probably for his yep. entire career. And that's just not going to be the case anymore. So he's going to need to work through some of that. He's going to need to find some workarounds to not being the most physically imposing guy. Uh, last thing I want to say about Dayron Sharp, as much flack as we probably rightfully give DeAndre Jordan, I imagine that is a guy that you want to have in that locker room for a big um, long been heralded as one of the best defensive communicators, if nothing else, one of the loudest guys on the floor. You uh, you know, used to playing his whole career in drop defense, seeing, talking. That's going to be a great guy to learn from. Uh, so I think that is definitely a positive. If not, if DJ doesn't do anything else this year, I'm sure he'll help Dayron's development in some form or fashion. Yeah, that's a really good point. Jack, anything else that you learned about Dayron? I'd love the personality. You know, yeah. I, that this kid, he's just the the joy that he has and the fun that he sort of brings and you know the sort of yin and yang that he has with Cam Thomas. I I still love that Instagram story where it's just like he posts like the temperature and like Vegas is like 102 Fahrenheit, whatever that is in Celsius for people who don't go by that weird system of of, of temperatures. And he's just like, man, it's hot out, Cam. It's hot out, Cam. And Cam's just like, yeah. And it's just <laughs> like you could imagine like some sort of buddy cop movie with both of them. Um, I'm, I'm, it's going to be a fun season just to see what these two um, can develop into. I think we have a bit more optimism around Cam Thomas given just what he did at Summer League. Um, but I've certainly got optimism surrounding Dayron as well, King Sharp. Yeah, and like we said, it's easier to hide, you know, a mediocre guard defender than it is to hide, a, you know, a big defender. But in terms of Dayron getting minutes next season, where would he have to improve to get minutes in this upcoming season? Um, it would be the defense. It yep. would just be making sure he doesn't commit, you know, nine fouls per 36. <laughs> I realized I did. He's not on a two-way contract, so the G League fix is going to be kind of hard. But you know, if the Nets happen to have the buyout candidate, and then they want to convert him, if that's possible, but um, it'll be the defense. Uh, if he's not the greatest lob catcher in the world, I'm sure they'll have enough offensive talent to work around that. But uh, as long as he's passable in enough, you know, beneficial positions, his hands are up, he can at least go vertical. He can be on the court for eight, 10 minutes a game, uh, you know, in some load management days. Uh, but if he if he's fouling too much, if he's not in the right spots, then it's going to be really hard as a big uh, to stay on the floor. It's not like Cam Thomas, where there's only so many ways you can attack a guard. Uh, you're responsible for the rim, especially with the scheme that the Nets play. Every possession and about half the possessions, if they're not threes, the offense is trying to attack you. So he's going to be under a hot light. And if he, uh, you know, is fouling dudes and not in the correct position, then it's going to be hard for him to stay on the floor. But he's 19, has a whole training camp, has a lot of vets to learn from. I don't think it's out of the question that he'll be playing, uh, you know, some back-to-back -back stuff like that by the end of the year. Yeah, I think I'll be watching him maybe the most in the preseason in terms of what he's learning from the training camps and such, because... We know what Cam Thomas is, and we've sort of alluded to you know things that we might want to look for as well. But with day one, it's just like, okay, how quickly are you soaking up all the things that we need you to soak up to be a, a passable NBA center? Which is, you know, no easy feat. You know, it's you know, there's a the range of NBA centers is just like you know, you've got the truly elite superstars and Davis, Jokic, and Bede, and then there's obviously your passable good centers and. Um, you know, Jared Allen, Stephen Adams, these sort of guys. Where does Dayron sort of fit in that mold? Um, I'm I'm fascinated to see how it does pan out, especially, you know, at the early points, because 
you know, he has so much room for growth uh, in comparison to Cam Thomas. And whether he gets there is, an, is another question. But um, I think that we do see him um, make some strides. And, and even during the, the regular season, uh, early points of the regular season, we might see some moments from him. Yeah, I think kind of like what you guys said, it just depends on like, is he unplayable in certain aspects? Like, is the defense so bad or is the fouling so bad? Or is he just kind of look confused out there? And obviously he's a rookie, so that could be potential situation or he could learn a lot of things very quickly in training camp and surprise us. But obviously the one thing he'll bring that could end up getting him on the floor is the rebounding physicality. But if you're terrible at the other things, then it's hard to put you out there for just that one skill that isn't necessarily game changing to the highest extent. But anything else on Dayron Sharp from Summer League? That about covers it for me. Jack King Sharp. King, King Sharp. Sharp. King, King Sharp. Sharp. Great name, by the way. Dayron Sharp, great name. Yep. Oh, it just popped. And that's a lot of I Negro should have fun with that. Yeah. Uh, good initials. Yep. Moving on to Kessler Edwards, I feel like this is a guy that I'm really kind of hyped about for some reason. Second round picks just kind of seem exciting because they could either turn into absolutely nothing or they could end up being a solid player down the down the road. But grade Kessler Edwards overall performance in summer league. Uh, I'll give him an incomplete um, just because and I know that's kind of a cop out <laughs> just because summer league is not built for guys like him. And that's fine. Uh, you know, if you're envisioning him as the. You know, 3 and D means so many different types of players nowadays. But if you're envisioning him as the 6'9", 3 and D dude who, you know, is a stretch four or, you know, plays the three in some lineups, spaces the floor, hits threes, attacks the occasional closeout, is just makes good rotations, uh, occasionally is there with a the help side block at the rim, which we did see a couple of during yep. summer league. Um, this is not really the environment for that sort of guy. Uh, yet, there were some good moments. There were some moments that popped with the blocks. Uh, we know he can shoot. And that, if you're basing his offensive value around his ability to shoot, then I don't think you're really focused on the, you know, 12, 15 shots, the incredibly small sample he takes at Summer League. If you believe this guy's a shooter and you look, watch him shoot 40% or above at Pepperdine, you buy the shot. And if he goes 0 for 15 in Summer League, you say, all right we still believe he can shoot. So um, still very excited for him. Uh, one thing that I noticed is he's, he will and definitely has to put on weight. Uh, it's going to be a step up for him, especially uh, playing against NBA level bodies, especially if he's the four and he's asked to be the second best rebounder on the court. That might be a little tough at times for him uh, if he gets on the court this year in the regular season. But I'm very excited to have him. The exact type of player you would want to surround the big three with in 2024, you know, when <laughs> James and Kyrie uh, follow Katie and sign their extensions and the Nets need cheap role players. Uh, that This is the kind of guy you would want on the floor. So time will tell with him. you got to be patient, I think. Yeah, I'll go with B, you know, because I had, you know, certain expectations. And I think that, he exceeded some of them in terms of like his ability to just have an impact defensively was probably the Nets best defender at summer league in, in a lot of respects, you know, the ability to, to guard guys in isolation to, you know, help defense and weak side rim protection as, as Lucas was alluding to. And his three ball was there. You know, there was a couple of nights where he went two of five, two of five. And it's just like, okay, well, he's got that in him. And obviously we know that, um, Nick and I are the biggest fans of the mechanics and such, but uh, uh, will he? Will that change going forward? Will the Nets ask him to change? Um, I think that he did a lot of things 
Um, and I liked the way that he improved as, as the summer league did go along. And when he was given extra minutes, you know, he was good in those opportunities. Um, and like Lucas is saying, you know, role players at summer league, very hard to forecast and, and have a major amount of takeaways from them. But the things in terms of when we get to like, you know, the, the scouting report and whatever, you know, the things that he did well and he did well at college, he did well at summer league too. Yeah, I think you have a different type of expectation for a player like this, like you guys kind of alluded to. Like, you're not going to have offensive sets run. Guys aren't going to necessarily be creating for each other. You see a lot more selfish play in summer league. So I think based off of that, Edwards got to be for me, just because, like you said, Jack, you know, defensively he popped. I also liked his competitiveness. Like, it just felt like he was really trying to, like, get into guys defensively on certain plays and kind of have his impact there and then even kind of fighting for the rebounds. And like you said, Lucas, I like the rim protection. That maybe is something that could kind of develop a little bit further down the line. But I agree about the strength thing. There's a couple plays where he just kind of got moved, where he was in good defensive position. He just didn't have the strength to kind of handle the contact. And then other than that, you know, offensively like it's what you anticipated like he's going to shoot threes he's not really going to do anything other than that that one dunk he did have though that was kind of oh. an impressive thing that was like oh maybe he can attack these closeouts a little bit more than i anticipated in the past so and i would say in the first couple of minutes of his first game it looked like it took him a little bit of time to adjust to the speed just like pepperdine like they're not getting great competition in comparison to some of these other players and maybe that's something that's going to benefit him as he gets a full season either long island some time with the nets whatever it is kind of help him grow a little quicker yeah i will say there were i know i gave him an incomplete but that there were positive flashes there were a couple of possessions against san antonio where it was a fast break uh, somebody, I think Primo catches the ball on the wing, launches up a three, and all of a sudden you see Kessler Edwards extend one of his arms, and Primo's shot goes off the backboard. Yep. Because, um, you know, all all Kessler has to do is put up his frame, and that creates a much tougher shot. There was another play, like similar situation, where a guy catches it on the wing and pump fakes the three and then drives to the rim, and Kessler is able to get out there, raise his hand, and then react and start sliding his feet. And it was a lefty layup from the San Antonio Spur player that went off the backboard and didn't hit the rim because Kessler mirrored him the whole way there. Yep. The defensive flashes are there. And then all of the other background work you hear about him, like the pre-draft sort of stuff, he sounds like a super competitive dude. His teammates seem to love him. Obviously, his fans, more removed from the organization. I don't know how much we know about that. But this, by all accounts and by what we saw in Summer League, is a guy I'm very happy is within the Nets organization. I'm very happy he's part of the team in some capacity, and I'm very happy that this performance staff, just as a fan of basketball and as a fan of him, I'm happy he fell into the Nets' hands because I do trust these guys to get the most out of him. Yeah, and like you said, later down the line, his fit with the big three and like superstars as like that complementary player is really good. Also, you kind of mentioned some of the length. Like, his closeouts were really impactful to a lot of different players. Like you saw a guy shooting well in games and then Kessler Edwards just kind of put that arm up and it just really kind of changed their shot or their perspective on it. But pretty much most of the stuff matched the scouting report again for Kessler Edwards in terms of like what we anticipated. Anything else that was different than the scouting report? Uh, I think I have to get into uh, preseason. We'll see him maybe more extended run in the G League before yep. I get to that. Uh, I want to see him attack closeouts more. I think he only had like two or three of those opportunities. Um, I'm interested to see that, but I don't think I can really analyze that yet. 
I mean, the free throw shooting, I, I didn't, it's hard to watch, you know, free throw shooting, you know, and, and project that from college. But, you know, he hit eight of his nine free throws. Um, he rebounded the ball really well as, as well. So I thought that um, that was something that sort of like, you know, translated with his size and his wingspan, like a 6'8 dude with a 6'11 wingspan. Like you sort of, we talked about, you know, Dayron Sharp, and I guess he probably doesn't have those. You know, immense physical tools. He's not Rudy Gobert with a seven-six wingspan, um, but Kess, Kess Express has uh, all, all those little things there. And um, yeah, like you mentioned, that dunk. I was just like, my dude's got that in his bag. Okay, you do that. Um, so I think it's a uh, if he continues to show that aggression um, and that that purpose um, with the on the offensive side that he does on the defensive side, um, that he's going to make things difficult for opposing players. This wasn't really anything new, but he looked really comfortable switching. Like, it just looked like it was natural for him to constantly switch and kind of understand his assignments. He also looked really engaged defensively, like locked in. We kind of talked about Cam not necessarily being super engaged. It felt like Kessler Edwards really, you know, just locked in every single possession defensively, as much as a rookie can be in summer league. So I'm intrigued to see kind of how that translates. And just like, maybe there's a little bit more defensive pop than I anticipated. Like, I thought he was, you know, that 3 and D type prospect, but I think defensively maybe he could be a tier higher than what I thought around draft time. Yeah, for sure. What do you yeah, guys... he could, oh, go he ahead, could play in terms of just piggybacking off that, Nick. 3-4, maybe 5. I'm not, I'm not saying that next season, but, you know, he fits the exact mold of what you want as a small ball 5. You know, a guy that can stretch the floor, a guy that has good wingspan, good weak side protection, um, does all the skills that you want to play alongside, whether it's Kevin Durant or, or whoever else. Um, I think his positional versatility um, could be you know, a, a real weapon of his going forward. Yeah. Versatility in the current NBA is probably one of the biggest tools a role player can have, just trying to fit into so many different situations. But Lucas, what does Kessler have to do to get NBA minutes next season? Or do you think that's kind of out of the realm of possibility? Put on weight for one while maintaining the foot speed that yep. I saw during summer league. That was really impressive. And it'll be a lot of behind the scenes work. He gets in the gym and, you know, the coaching staff is like, wow, this guy really works his ass off. Nothing but positive stuff from the G League games that he plays. And then I think, yeah, it's possible that March, April, the dog days of the season, you know, there's a load management day and Kess can get 20 minutes in a game. Maybe they've locked up seating something like that but um definitely not out of the realm of possibility but if he does get minutes i think it'll be a lot of the stuff that we don't see it'll be a lot of behind the scenes work uh you know the coaches really fall in love with him things like that uh i don't think you know a ton of us knew alizé johnson was going to be getting minutes when he got signed last yep. year and all of a sudden his teammates are raving about him he's putting in the work every day and they want to let him loose and he ends up with 18 rebounds so it could be a situation like that. Uh, definitely looking at the three ball. Um, I know he had good percentages in college, but he shot nine twos a game and only four threes a game uh, for across his junior and sophomore years. So he doesn't have the exact shot profile you'd think of like a uh, like a Robert Covington type yep. where 60, 70% of his shot diet is just catch and shoot threes. Um, but you know, we'll see. I think he's an NBA shooter. Uh, I hope it, I hope it continues. I don't see any reason why it shouldn't, but definitely just something to keep an eye on as the attempts in a professional setting in the G league keep racking up. I'm interested to see if the strength benefits him from shooting from NBA three point range. Obviously it's not a drastic change, but kind of given the way that he shoots, it would maybe allow him to get like 
more of a natural looking shot. It just, to me, the way that he shoots, it seems like he wants to get like a little bit more power behind it just because of the weird like follow through and then like the hip kind of the right leg going forward. But uh, I'm really excited. Jack, what are you thinking in terms of, you know, potential of him getting minutes this year? What would he have to do? Yeah, I think the the three ball is a, a big factor for me because I think he just has innate defensive instincts. And I think that no matter, you know, who it is in the perimeter or, you know, who it is down low, he just knows how to read the game uh, at any level. So I think it's going to be uh, uh, the big swing factor is that three ball. And, you know, how do NBA opposing defenses treat him out there? Is he just going to be, you know, left alone and, you know, they just treat him as a, a guy who's a non-shooter until he starts hitting them? Um, I think that that is going to be, and does he have that level of confidence? Does he have that level of execution? Is he hitting that three ball? So I think that that pro- it, it might be a little bit simplistic, but I was also going to mention, you know, followed and following the path of Robert Covington um, is basically, you know, his, his route to success. You know, a guy that I sort of, that Lucas mentioned just then was immediately in my mind when we're talking about, you know, playing small ball five and such. And if anything, Kess has better instincts and a better isolation defense better physical tools to be a, a more capable defender. And Robert Covington is one of the better help defenders in the game right now. But I'm I'm really... Fa- I think the defense is going to be there. It's everything else, you know, on top of it. Because, you know, he's going to be asked to just be a role player. But we... I've sort of mentioned this before. Like, can you be a basketballer? Like, can you make some shots? Can you do... Make the right decisions? Can you not turn over the ball? Can you attack closeouts? Can you... Hit a three ball if you've, you're getting it kicked out by James Harden or Cam Thomas or Patty Mills. If you're doing those things, then um, I think that you know, it won't be just Nets fans falling in love with the Kess Express. It'll be everyone else in the organization too. Yeah, like you said, Jack, kind of having value offensively. Like defensively, it looks like he could be good. Uh, you brought up the foot speed, Lucas, earlier. Like it looked really good in summer league. I was impressed with some of the recovery time. Like when he got beat off the initial move and was able to kind of recover for the block or the contest. Is he able to do that against actual NBA talent? Like some of the guys are going to have deficiencies in summer league, not necessarily be as quick or they might be slow or whatever it is, the physicality. So interested to see how he kind of works on that end of the floor. But anything else on Kessler Edwards? I like the Kess Express. I hadn't heard that one. <laughs> I didn't either. Someone else came up with it. I'm, I'm feel ashamed of myself not coming up with good nicknames with players. So Kess Express. Yeah, Kess Express. Uh, interested to see how quickly he develops and what he turns into for the Nets. I really like the pick in the second round. But moving on to an undrafted guy that I feel like we could talk about for a little bit, David Duke Jr., you know, this was a guy that was touted to possibly be a late first-round pick. Then it was a second-round pick. Then he ended up undrafted. Got a training camp deal with the Nets. Possible two-way guy. Lucas, how would you grade his overall summer league performance? Uh, I think it'd be hard to give him anything less than like a B plus, A minus, that sort yep. of range. Just because this is an undrafted guy, and you know, we don't really know how the Nets felt about him signing him undrafted. Obviously. When you take a guy with a certain pick, that's a reflection, I think, of how the organization feels about you. But, um, And they took two other guys in the second round that we're not going to really talk about today because they don't have necessarily potential, I think, yeah. for NBA level. But David Duke Jr. popped more than those two did. Exactly, exactly. I think this the summer league is really important for guys like him, and he, show, he you know, played like it. Um, it. What stands out to me is offensively, He's really strong driving to the basket. Uh, I know he was Providence's sort of offensive engine, and I watched a few games, and he was sort of handling everything, getting to the rim, shooting. Um, but I was impressive how that translated um, on his drives this summer league. He seemed to have a good sense 
of how to use defenders momentum against them, when to lean in, when to create separation, could finish both ways, had a bunch of nice lefty finishes, had a bunch of nice righty finishes. And then as the three point shot goes, like I alluded to with uh, Kessler Edwards, you buy the college numbers. This was a guy who uh, was consistent shooting the ball um, in college. His last two years, around four attempts a game, hovered at 42% and 39% respectively. So you buy the shot. And then what really popped the most to me, this guy can guard at an NBA level, I think already at the point of attack. It wasn't quite Davion Mitchell, but it was really impressive to see him guard anybody really below 6'7". Perimeter six five six four six six and then anything under that obviously this guy can really move his feet not afraid to get physical um, that's an NBA tool right there he has an NBA skill in his back pocket and then flashes offensively of a guy who could easily be the eighth ninth best offensive player on the team come off the bench uh, I know it's just summer league it's hard you know we're not supposed to overreact but I'm very glad they signed him to a two way deal I think if, if that's been confirmed. And I definitely could see him, you know, getting consistent NBA minutes on some roster if it's not in the next couple of years, in three, four, five years. He just feels like a rotation guy to me. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big plus for me as well. I think that if he had have brought those percentages and brought that level of execution from the perimeter, it would have been an A. But he only mm-hmm. hit one three, I think, in the three or four games that he did play. And, you know, I'll, when we get to, I guess, sort of like weaknesses, we can chat about that. But... Yeah, this is two-way ability, and I talked about, you know, can he be, like, with Kessler, but can he be, like, just a basketballer? Like, David Duke has all those skills. Like, he can just do a lot of stuff, you know, defensively, offensively, comfortable with the ball in his hands, you know, comfortable making the right pass, good decision-maker, can create for himself a little bit, um, and is defensively just a, a menace, you know, and he's 6'5", you know, he's he's got a, a good size about him, a really good frame, really strong, um, and he was... There were just plays where he's just getting in the face of the, the opposing defender and he's just like causing them to just lose their handle because he's just so um, so annoying and so pesky and so just in your face. So I, I love that about him. Um, and before, you know, if this wasn't the Cam Thomas show, um, if, if Cam Thomas didn't show out the way that he did, we'd probably be leading the show with David Duke Jr. because he was quite easily the second best player at Summer League for the Brooklyn Nets. And um, you can make an argument that maybe the most consistent uh, and easily the best two-way player. So um, he was great. And it was really cool to see, you know, the the story behind him and such. Um, and, you know, him sort of making a name for himself and making that name for himself as well. Um, it was a, a really nice story and uh, another diamond in the rough for, for the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. And like you guys said, I think given the expectation of an undrafted player, you're looking at a B plus here at least because just like he proved himself to get some, you know, NBA attention. You know, I think the two way deal is rumored as of right now just because he sat out. I'm not sure it's beneficial, but based off of how the Nets handled him and sat him out, you would think that they're going to sign him to that deal. And like you guys said, I think like the grittiness, like the physicality of just kind of being like a gamer and just a guy that's going to try to win basketball games. He just has a lot of skills that scream like complimentary role player, like just things that, hey, I can play off of other stars. You know, I can attack a closeout in the right situation, like you were saying, Lucas, when the leverage is there for him. And I thought he actually finished a couple like tough layups, too, where I was like, oh, high off glass. Like, okay, that's some interesting stuff. And then defensively. Like, he definitely made life tough for some guards that didn't have tight handles. They just really looked uncomfortable out there and kind of just disrupted some of that uh, offensive flow for the other team. Yeah, it seems like a matter of pride. He is going over screens. He doesn't want to switch. 
he wants the defensive assignment. Um, I think it was Jordan Mora versus the yep. Bucks. He's coming off like a 30-point game, something like that. And Duke honestly shut him Clams. down. <laughs> he was in his jersey. It was really noticeable, and it felt personal. And that is the type of energy you want from complimentary guys. Uh, I have his stats pulled up now. What's really interesting is that he shot from two-point range um, – 40% and, and 39% in his last two years, which aren't really great numbers inside the arc. And yet I'm watching him finish in summer league. Again, small sample, but it doesn't look fluky. This is a guy that is going both ways and going off two feet, going off one feet, embracing contact. So yep. you feel like if he gets that in his game a little more, if that if that turns out to be a consistent thing where he can attack closeouts or maybe come off screens or pin down or just get in transition. If he's finishing that around the rim consistently, uh, yeah, that seems like an NBA player to me. Um, you know, I would be trying to buy low if I was, you know, a team maybe not like the Nets. If the Nets can get sort of a positive value for him in some sort of package, something like that. But I think he caught the eye of not just the Nets this summer league. I would be highly surprised if teams around the league aren't at least making a little note somewhere yep. um, about David Duke's play. Also, his rebounding was really good. I just double-checked it. Seven rebounds a game in summer league, and he didn't play a ton. Of, it's not like he played you know 30-plus minutes every single day. It was like 23 minutes a game. So just kind of willing to do all those things that kind of make you win a game. And also, there was a couple times where he was just really nice at like making the extra pass. A couple times it was a Cam Thomas, and you're like, Okay, you know, that's somewhere where he understands who he is. I think the only thing that really stuck about him that was like negative when he tried to create for himself in a few situations, like either end of quarter, end of game, yeah. it wasn't necessarily pretty. Yeah, I, I like him. I like the mentality to do that, make the mistakes at, the, at summer league, make mistakes in the preseason, you know, at Long Island, wherever else he, he might be, where the stakes aren't necessarily as high. The, the play which I was the most surprised about was the one where you had the behind-the-back handle, which allowed him to sort of create his own shot. I'm like, okay, he's got that in his bag. He's got a handle as well. It's just like you, there's so many boxes that he ticks as a, yeah. as, a, as a future NBA player. Like, we sort of spoke about all the positives, and it's just like I think it's one of the more underrated skills, and we highlighted it, you know, and then some with Cam Thomas, but he has a really nice, solid handle, and he's comfortable with the ball in his hands. The thing about his handle is it's reactive. I know that behind the back play you're talking about. I think it was a attacking, it was a closeout attack situation, and he goes to the right. The defender cuts him off, and instinctually he wraps it behind the back to its left. It's not, it's not a planned thing, and that is something that is really, uh, I guess, really what is the word enticing, uh, yeah. uh, surprising about his game that I didn't know he had. I think. Chris Dunn went to Providence, I'm pretty sure. And I was going to say, he has a little bit of that energy in his game. Yep. A little bit of that dog. I'm going to get in your jersey. I'm going to get seven boards a game, things like that. A guy that's really easy to root for. And, you know, within the first half of Summer League, I wasn't too pumped about the roster going into it. I didn't foresee the Camp Thomas explosion. But that was the first guy that caught my eye. Like, damn, I'm enjoying this. I, I'm excited to watch this guy for four games. In talking about the reactionary dribble, it just kind of gives you the feel that he's played a good amount of basketball. You know what I mean? That he's kind of been in different situations and just kind of is reacting out there instead of just having, like you said, the planned mentality, which sometimes can really hurt players. But other than what we mentioned, anything else you guys learned about David Duke Jr.? Um, of all the guys from Summer League, uh, from the Nets roster, I would say I'm really rooting for him the most in comparison to his skill level. I don't know what's going to become of him. 
but I was surprised by how much I enjoyed watching him in the five days and or the five games. And even if it's not with the Nets, I really hope I see that guy on an NBA floor. Um, and from my knowledge, just from what I saw, I really wouldn't be surprised if it ends up happening. Yeah, the story behind him in terms of undrafted and obviously we know the sort of the whole name stuff that everyone sort of was making a big deal about. Um, and he just seems to be a guy that's e really easy to root for. And I really like the Chris Dunn comparison because as a guy who's been a bit of a Chris Dunn stand the past couple of years in the Brooklyn Buzz, um, it was it's really easy to stand for, for David Duke Jr. And he's just got... He just he just screams NBA player. Maybe he doesn't scream it, but he yells it very loudly in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. It definitely pops on the screen, just like the things seem like they can translate to the NBA level. What would David Duke Jr. have to do to get NBA minutes this season? What would you see from him, Lucas, just to get him minutes on the floor? Not necessarily regular rotation minutes, but just, you know, throw him out there a couple times. Maybe a guard's hot, you want to slow him down. Yep, guard's hot, you want to slow him down. The defensive energy continues, and maybe he catches a heater. In the yep. G League, all of a sudden you look up, he's shooting like 44% from three, and you're like, oh, he's on one. He's feeling good about his offensive game. This guy takes five threes for us tonight. I wouldn't be surprised if two or three uh, go in. You know he's going to bring the energy. Maybe the team is feeling a little sluggish, something like that. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. He'd be a good candidate for, hey, like I said, it's a random February game in Minnesota. The guys are sitting out. Let's inject some energy into this group because you know he's going to play his ass off for 15, 18 minutes. Yeah, I think he's already shown a level of reliability despite the fact that I, I think he's a little bit older as well. You know, I think he's 21, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I think that he's got a, a, a bit more to him. And it's almost maybe he's more NBA ready than, you know, Kessel Edwards in, in some respects, just given you know, what he can do on the floor in terms of like, you know, he's not going to get caught out, you know, if we're asking him to make an offensive play for himself because, you know, the Nets are a, a more offensively dominant and centric side. So, you know, David, putting David Duke out there and, you know, the ball in his hands, you know, attacking closeouts, hitting the three ball, you know, I'm, I'm much more confident about the three ball being more translatable than it was at Summer League. But one thing I did think, and this might just be my naive novice mind, novice you know eyes watching it, it did look a little bit slow. You know, the the yeah. his ability to get off that three point shot. Um, so against you know good NBA defenders, you know Marcus Smart and Drew Holiday, these sort of dudes, you know they're going to make him make decisions. But he can, like we sort of said, he's got a good handle and such. So he'll he'll close out well, but. You know, his efficiency from the three-point line, if he takes that into the um, to his NBA into his NBA life, then I think he's gonna be he's gonna be gravy. And I think he's all he's just doing so much. I think what we're the expectations of him, you know, being an undrafted guy, just like, you know, here, if we get anything from him, he's gonna be good. But I think he's gonna be a guy that's just gonna continue to get better and better and better in the NBA system. He just seems to be like an an NBA player. Yeah, I think kind of like what Lucas was saying about Kessler Edwards, like kind of fighting behind the scenes, like working extremely hard. You're just proving that you need to get on the court. And I think just kind of upping his skills as much as he can, just a little bit here and there, just kind of getting a little bit better in every area to make himself you know, more attractive to the Nets or other NBA teams. But anything else on David Duke Jr.? I like what Jack said. He just feels like an NBA player. And he feels like a guy that's going to be hard to keep off the court. If you're a coach and you see this guy – getting in dudes jerseys rebounding from the guard position making enough shots but making the extra pass and just with that level of energy it's a guy that's hard to keep off the court and that's i think going to be his mo a guy that just 
elevates the play of his teammates, injects energy, and you really enjoy rooting for. Like 10% of like David Nwaba energy, honestly, yeah. felt like watching him in summer league. It was very similar. And then obviously with the luxury of like knocking down threes could be great too. So um, any other guys that you wanted to mention, Lucas? Um, the last thing I'll say about Duke is that I agree on the release being a little bit slow, but the counter to that is it's very high, which yeah. I think yeah. would be workable. Um, Zagorowski, I think, will stick around in the G League. Uh, he had a nice college career, and he uh, made a few pull-up jump shots in the Spurs game that were interesting, can definitely pass the ball. A uh, little disappointed on Reggie Perry. I wouldn't be surprised if his time with the Nets is over. Um, but other than that, I think that about covers my thoughts on the summer league. Jack, anything else for you? Did see an Instagram post of some sort about Raekwon Gray still doing working, still working out and such. Now, obviously, we've got much limit, limited time of him, but I think Nick and I became somewhat Raekwon Gray stands just because of what we saw at college and, and the film there. So I wonder what he... And I, I've always been a bit of a, a fan of Zekorowski as well because he's just has just some solid skills, some just mm -hmm. steadiness to his game and, you know, making the right decisions, hit a shot, good pass, all these little, little things. And uh, like I sort of said on, on some of the game recaps, looks like he's grown. Looks like he, he, in, when I'm comparing to some of the college film where he looks like, you know, six foot, six foot one, um, not to say that you can't be a really good NBA player with, with that lack of size, um, but it looks like he's six two, six three now. So um, I think that it was it was probably the most memorable summer league we've had as Nets fans, yeah. which is very odd to say given the status of this team. Like we won't, we're not saying this about the Bucks or the Lakers or whatever. Or maybe you say it about like the new Caruso that they've got, the new white basketball player <laughs> that they have at their summer league roster. But so many intriguing pieces and roster fascinations with the with the nets it's 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 pretty cool yeah it's just like an added level of fandom for the nets that you don't necessarily anticipate with a championship team just getting to your point reggie perry yeah i think his days are probably done with the nets i just thought i'm not really sure he screams nba player there's just kind of confusion about what he can do defensively he's not quick enough and he's not big enough to really be an nba center and he can't really defend on the perimeter so but lucas what do you think about alizé johnson in summer league Alizé is a guy that his skill set is not made for summer league. I mean, yep. like I said, it's a chuck fest. There's a lot of there's a lot of bricks being tossed, and he'll snatch up a few of them as he did. Um, he had a few nice, you know, baseline cuts, fills to the front of the rim. If he's gonna want minutes, that's how he is gonna get them. He's gonna defend hard. He's gonna rebound, and then he's gonna make that baseline cut, or he's gonna sprint in from the wing to the front of the rim off a drive, either for cleanup duty or to get a dump off. But that's not a guy whose game was really made for summer league. So we'll see. He made a super positive impression on the Nets last time around. I wouldn't be surprised to see more of him. And the one thing I'll say about Raekwon Gray is there are there is a faction of, um, you know, draft Twitter heads and people that do this full time that are very high on him. Um, I don't know much about him personally. I didn't watch the college tape and he didn't obviously play too much. Of the Nets, he had a couple nice drives. He had that one lefty coast-to-coast -coast finish and seemed to have a couple nice extra passes, but definitely a guy that I know um, there are people out there monitoring. So all in all, a super fun summer league. Uh, after the stress of a deep playoff run and the injuries and the narratives and the stars and Joe Harris and Katie's feet and this and that, it was really nice to just watch some stress-free 
summer league basketball in Vegas, a hot day, you know, grab a soda and just watch some dudes play hard. It was fun. Yeah. I had a good time watching this year. And like you guys kind of alluded to, it was like we saw some like, I don't want to say high level basketball, but exciting basketball in summer league. And that hasn't necessarily always been the case for the Nets. So it's just enjoyable because we'll be back to the regular season in a few months and it won't be as stressful as the playoffs, but there'll be an expectation for the Nets to be the best team in the league and things along those lines. But Lucas, always a pleasure having you on. Tell the people where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is just my name. I think it's Lucas Dash Kaplan. And uh, I will have a Patty Mills article coming out pretty soon uh, for Nets Republic. I know Jack, Jack just likes you about 10 times more now. <laughs> I've been digging into some of the Spurs film. I'm looking at, you know, where they can use him, this and that, what he's going to bring to the team. But, yeah, follow me on Twitter, Lucas underscore Kaplan. Uh, I'll have a few more bits of content in the offseason. And then I'm super excited for this regular season. Obviously, I'll be uh, – analyzing the team as much as I can. You know, we've been blessed with the most fun sports team that I've ever been blessed to root for uh, across any of the sports that I root for. So I'm not going to waste any time missing out uh, on this glorious basketball team. And always a pleasure having you on. And we'll definitely get Lucas back on the show as much as we possibly can during the season. And big thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.